Welcome to another episode of the Awake Asia podcast, where each episode I share topics surrounding health, fitness, entrepreneurship, and conscious living to help you live a fitter, healthier, and more purpose-driven conscious lifestyle. In this episode, we talk to Kate Christie, a speaker, best-selling author, and maverick on time management. In this episode, we chat with how to value your time properly, learning how to delegate your work and mundane tasks to others so that you can make the biggest impact in your own hours and life. If you feel overwhelmed by all the choices and information that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, this episode will be so, so helpful to you. On to the episode. Five years since we planted the seed with KPI and I walked into a whole room full of high-level executives, business owners, and here I was, this vegan bodybuilder, personal trainer who did not know jack about business building and now we're seriously the coolest guy in the room (laughs) i don't know about that yeah i looked up to everyone everyone was in dress to the nines in suits and here i was i just felt so insecure about who i was fast forward to where we are today i mean for you really the podcast is about you my goodness you're author of three books you've appeared on every media channel i would say audio video yeah lots um yep look i I think you know bottom line is that people need time and so and i love talking about it so uh it's it's a perfect mix (laughs) i know your niche is time management and even for me being a new dad and being an entrepreneur i still struggle to find spots to actually do what's important to me what i actually love for you why did you actually decide to focus and specialize in time management oh look the the backstory was that um i was i was that you know that executive that you mentioned as you walked into the room um my i was working i worked for a number of years as a lawyer um then as a senior executive and and in a in very sort of high performing cultures and high performing teams and i was you know really brought up to seize you know and the day and and was told by my parents and everyone around me really that you know you can do whatever you want just go for it and and probably the way you're bringing your beautiful daughter up in terms of you know you can work hard you can have anything you want and that you know did work really well for me throughout my early career um and then things really started to change um in year 2000, I can pinpoint it, um, where I had um, three babies in three and a half years. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, look, the wheels did start to fall off. Oh, of and, course. Um, and I, I guess I went through a process of having to um, reprioritize, understand what was most important to me where I wanted to be and at that point in time because I had three really little kids I was I guess I was you know highly stressed and worried that I wasn't being a terrific mum really at that point in time that was sort of the crisis point for me that I just felt like I wasn't present that when I was there I wasn't focused on them and um, I was always rushing from one thing to the next and and I, I wasn't enjoying any of it and so I 
actually exited my, you know, brilliant career. I made that choice that I'm going to stay home with the kids because I just felt incredibly guilty and I felt like I was doing a shitty job. And um, look, it was absolutely the wrong decision because I loved my job. Uh, I got a lot of self-worth and self-affirmation out of being um, a, a really, you know, dynamic strategic executive and so all of a sudden there I was with none of that at home with three little kids and you know I got bored very very quickly and it's a real sort of crisis of conscience but I thought no look you know sliding door opportunity here sit down and work out what you're really good at what you love doing and basically use this opportunity to reinvent yourself and so my first business was pretty much around helping other women like me. It was called Babysitters and More, and it was an online portal to help busy professionals, um, mainly women, identify and find fantastic home helpers so that they could get on and have their brilliant careers. And really, that was the program, or that was the business I entered into, that was the business I had when I met you. And through going through that program where we really had to pick apart our businesses, understand our IP, our values, what was most important to us, what were our products, it became really apparent to me um, quickly through, I guess, group discussion that really what I was about was um, around time and time investment and helping people find lots and lots of hours of time with lots of different strategies. And I remember having this, you know, it was probably like day two or three of the program where people were saying to me, oh, God, this is interesting. You know, we didn't know this stuff. And I had just assumed everyone knows this. It's always the case, you know, isn't it? It's like, you know, you're probably thinking, yeah, but surely everybody knows the values of a plant-based diet and what it means. <laughs> exactly, to exactly. An athlete and, and, but people don't. And, and it was really quite interesting for me at that time to think that I was kind of sitting on this goldmine of knowledge that I was very passionate about, but I just kind of assumed everyone knew it. And it became really apparent that everyone didn't. And that's where it all started. Wow, that's incredible. And I'm thinking back about what you said when you were had your kids. And I imagine this scenario where your kids are crying and the phone's ringing. And I think of my wife as well, you know, because she breastfeeds Sienna and she's cooking and holding Sienna while trying to breastfeed. I was like, just, you know, let me do something. So no, no, that's fine. You just do your thing. It's like, come on, I feel so useless here. So with that in mind, why is it so hard to sometimes just let go and just delegate? Look, it's it's a really interesting question. And um, I think that partly it's, it's, a, it's a control thing where, you know, I think a lot of the time we've either through sort of social environment or family environment or the, our upbringing or whatever, I think that there's some sort of preconditioning around roles, um, which I think is crazy, um, particularly when you've got a really hands-on partner saying, hey, let me do this stuff. Uh, I think also, to be honest, because I've worked with a lot of people on this, and this may offend some of your listeners, so I hope it doesn't. To be honest, I think that oftentimes as women, we kind of think we can do it better or that we may be naturally better at it. And that may be the case, but in, in you know, I don't know whether sort of biologically that is the case. I'm sure there's studies on this sort of stuff, but anyone can learn how to 
you know, feed the child um, it, as long as, you, you know, you, 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 you're using bottle feeding or, you know, uh, solids. Anyone can learn to cook the meals to help around the house. So it's sometimes I think it's just a matter of us letting go and accepting help and understanding that um, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to pay for help. It's okay to actually delegate and outsource some of these tasks. You don't have to do it all. And I think as women and mothers, often we put a lot of pressure and guilt upon ourselves in terms of, well, I should be, you know, cleaning the house because it's my house, um, or I should be, you know, making the meals because they're my kids, or I should be the one stirring the pot, or I should be the one vacuuming the floor and changing the linen. Well, you know, no, just kind of take a step back, work out the things you're really good at, the things you love doing. And then oh, there's a, that means that there's you're freeing up time to be kind of like a better parent and a better person. You know, if if I if I'm going to clean the house for four hours this Sunday, you know, there's a num there's multiple costs involved in that. Firstly, my time is money. So if my time's worth say a hundred dollars an hour, then if I spend four hours cleaning the house, that's a four hundred dollar clean. I could engage a cleaner to do that clean for twenty five dollars an hour because they're an expert. They're going to do it in three hours. So it's only going to cost me $75. So I've saved, you know, $325 and I've brought bought back four hours of time that I can then go and spend doing awesome stuff with the kids. So it's just about looking at your time differently and kind of just letting go of the control a little. Yeah, I want to go back to what you just said back in the day of having three kids. When did you choose to let go? In terms of sort of getting help. Yeah, getting help, actually just saying, all right, I want to have some me time. Look, I have to be honest with that one. Um, I was always pretty good at, say, outsourcing things like cleaning because I, I just – and but that was more because I just didn't have any time because I was working full-time um, as an executive. Once I stopped working and I was then at home, I sort of sacked the cleaner and started doing it myself because, again, I felt, oh, I should be doing this. I'm I'm now not working, so I should be doing this myself. I bloody hated it and I'm not very good at it. Um, so it was probably, it would have been a good two or three years after I started my business before I actually started walking my own talk and got the cleaner back. And um, and look, there's nothing better. Honestly, there is nothing better than coming home and your house is clean from top to bottom and you haven't done it. It's just the best money spent ever. I love it. I love my cleaner. I tell her regularly how I love her and what a change and difference she makes. Um, it's it's money well spent and it's good emotional money. You know, it's makes me feel good and happy. Plus, you know, I'm I'm helping someone else, you know, who is um, here as a, a student from overseas who's working hard to get her qualifications so she can go back to her country to be an accountant. So, you know, it's it's kind of win-win all round. I 100% agree because we do have a helper here as well. I look at her as part of the family. And for me, a, a clean environment is a clear mind. Very much so. We are in a culture of hacks, shortcuts, everywhere we look. But all of a sudden, we've got no time. <laughs> so I think it's really a self-fulfilling prophecy in as much as uh, we're, we're completely bombarded by all these hacks. Why don't we have time? Well, it's because we are completely bombarded. 
we, you know, we live in the age of information, which means we live in the age of being constantly accessible, constantly updated, constantly informed. Uh, any piece of information we want is literally at the end of our fingertips. And so uh, we are, I guess, overwhelmed by information. That then, and so how do you sort of sieve through that and, and how do you switch yourself off um, in terms of the attainment of knowledge? The, the other side of it is that the constant accessibility and the access that people have to us by our devices means that we are available 24-7. And so unless we build some really protective barriers around ourselves and our time and we absolutely guard that time as the most precious resource that it is we will be available and we won't be able to switch off you know i often when i'm speaking with my clients or i'm at speaking engagements and and i'll i'll say you know hands up who here checks their phone within sort of 10 15 minutes of waking up and without you know, time and again, it would be 90% of the audience put their hand up. Now, you know, from my way of thinking, unless you are a first responder, you know, a fireman or a policeman or a paramedic, you don't need to be checking your phone within 15 minutes of waking up. Because if you've got a sort of a great plan for your day and you know exactly what you're going to do and you've built your to-do list and you're, you're going to start the morning on your part of strategic work and, and you've got it all planned out, the minute you check your phone, you're off course. You've lost control of the agenda because, you know, nothing in there in your phone is saying, well, you know, hey, Luke, have a great day or hey, Luke, you're awesome or hey, Luke, go and work on your to-do list. It's I want, I need, this is urgent, when is, and and you've just completely gone off track. And so if 90% of people from my, you know, study of put your hands up, uh, are doing that day in and out, then of course they're never going to have time to do what they need to do because they are being constantly reactive. They are reacting to other people's needs and other people's to-do lists because your inbox, your emails, your messages, that's someone else's to-do list. That's not your to-do list. Yeah, I definitely agree because I used to be one of those people where I had the phone next to me and use my phone as the alarm, which is the worst thing ever. Um, so now I, I personally have set boundaries to like, all right, flight mode from 8 p.m. to like 8 a.m. so that I'm not disturbed because when the first thing and the last thing you see is your phone, you're like a pinball in a pinball machine. You're just kind of reacting to post, reacting to messages. You're not really being in control of your state. So I know that you, you know, you've helped thousands and thousands of people with better time management. What are some of the top challenges that, that, people face when they're they're time poor when it comes to why are you time poor there um i've done a lot of work around this and collected a lot of data on this and um people will sort of they're sort of like you know there could be 100 or 200 or 300 different things that are impacting people's time but it really boils down to sort of you know eight or nine symptoms that people were constantly sharing with me and it's things like uh, I'm constantly interrupted or I, I find it hard to say no or I struggle to prioritise or I've got too many competing priorities or um, my emails are out of control or my meetings are out of control. They're the sort of the, the types of things I hear all the time. 
but they're just your symptoms, right? So if you talk about, well, I'm busy or I'm time poor or I don't have enough time or people want too much of me, they're just symptoms. You, you've got to actually then boil it down and understand, well, what's the diagnosis here? You know, so if you go to the doctor and you say, well, I'm, you know, I'm aching and my body's sore and, and I've got a headache and I've got a temperature and I, you know, I'm sneezing and I've got no energy. These symptoms, the doctor's going to say, well, you've got the flu. So this is what you need to do to treat the flu. And if you can get rid of the flu, all those symptoms go away. So the diagnosis that I've, that I've, you know, formulated having worked with those thousands of thousands of people is firstly, people are not planning to succeed. So they're not actually planning their day, their week, their month, their year, five years. They just are letting life and work and stuff happen to them. They're just putting fires out. The second thing is that they um, are not controlling the agenda. You know, it's your life. You have to control your own agenda. Now, regardless of your business or your profession or your lifestyle, every single person has a degree of control over their time. And it's about understanding what is within your degree of control. What can I control? And making sure you can control that. You know, if you, a classic example, if you're not a first responder, you can control when you first check your phone. The third part of the diagnosis is that people aren't focusing on the right tasks at the right time. So they don't understand their energy rhythms. As you, you know, you just talked about that a little bit yourself. If you don't understand when you are at your best, then you can't know when you need to plan and do your best, most strategic, hardest revenue generating type work. So you find that people will often say waste the morning and then start to get into the hard stuff in the afternoon when they're tired. It's the worst way of working. So the third part is actually understanding when you're at your best and putting that barrier around that time so that you can do your hardest, most important revenue generating work at that time. So they're the sort of the three parts of the diagnosis. I love it, love it. I definitely want to unpack those three. Maybe let's focus on not planning to succeed. What does your planning look like? So um, at the sort of the, if you sort of think about it as, as you know, like maybe like a pyramid, at the the bottom level, um, the, the absolute must is having a really ter terrific master to-do list. So, um, and, and you should, you know, you, you either do that on like a Friday night if you're closing off the week or a Sunday night. Don't do it on Monday morning because you're eating into your best time. So your master to-do list is just a list of every single thing you have to do. Um, I just, you know, pen and paper it, but people can use tasks or they can use tools online. Um, and and it, it could have 800 things on there. I don't care how many things it's got on there. But then what you do is you take the you identify the two most important things you have to do on Monday morning and then you lock those into your calendar. So that at its base level, I have a great master to-do list. I review that every day because things change. Tasks will come in, other tasks will go out. Tasks will be sitting there for two months and I think that's never going to get done. I'm just taking it off because um, it's just not happening. Or um, I've been putting that in the too hard basket for too long. I'm doing it tomorrow. So that 
is like my weekly plan. Then I have monthly goals in terms of what do I want to achieve this month. And it could be things like, well, I want to pick up two new clients or I want to write four articles or I want to start running 6Ks a day instead of 5Ks a day, whatever, you know, mix of personal work. Then I have um, an annual plan. What am I going to achieve this year? And that's set out on a one-page annual planner um, where I, and it's a very iterative, so I started, you know, at the start of the year, I understand exactly what my goals are for that year and what I'm going to be ta- focusing on, but then I update it as I go. So as I start picking up the work that I've planned for, and then I have a five-year plan. What am I be? Where am I in five years? What am I going to be doing? Because I need to know that in in good detail, and it needs to be audacious and hairy and awesome, um, because I. I'm only going to get to that five-year plan if there's bits and bobs that I'm doing today and tomorrow that are going to get me there. And I think looking ahead at five years, I think people, they don't even plan the day. How would they actually start doing it? So just start with with one thing and um, either make it a lifestyle or a work or, say, a family-type goal. Um, If it's the first time you're doing it, I'd go after something fun. So I'd go after like a family thing or a lifestyle thing. So it may be, okay, in five years' time, I want to be taking the family on a safari to Africa. And so you could just mind map that out where, you know, you have your African trip in the middle and then you start, what is everything I need to do to make sure that that trip happens? So there's going to be, well, you know, I need to finance the trip. So what am I going to, and and then what does that mean? Well, you know, I may have to, if I start saving an extra $100 a month and putting it into the Africa fund or whatever, or I need to pick up X number of clients, um, then there's going to be the logistical side of things in terms of, well, how long are we going to go for? Are we going to go with a tour company? Are we going to go um, and plan this ourselves? Which parts of Africa are we going to go to? So there's that sort of research thing. Do we need visas? Um, You know, can I use my points to get plane tickets you know so you start planning out and 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 mapping it mind mapping it pictorially so that you pick up everything that's involved in planning out that trip and then you start to identify well which bits can I leverage or start doing right now and then it opens up your mind to thinking okay well this is going to be an awesome family trip but maybe there's some blog posts I could write about this in terms that fit into my business in terms of well, you know, can I write a, a vegan cookbook around, you know, African cuisine or can I write a heap of posts around um, the people I meet who are vegans in Africa or can I leverage and identify some partnerships with some really cool African safari homestays where you know, I partner with them and, and maybe run a retreat for their VIP clients on vegan you know, lifestyle in exchange for my family staying there and getting all the bells and whistles. So all of a sudden, you're opening up all these other possibilities and ideas just by putting some planning in process. 
I love it because I look at goals, right? You look at financial goals, okay, my business, but this makes it really, really exciting and getting the whole family involved. And and yeah, I mean, there's just so many other aspects that go to it. For me, I think my, my little thing is I go through my day being busy. At the end of the day, I look back at my day. I was just busy being busy. I was just like, I feel crap because I feel like yeah. I haven't done anything. I, what I've learned to do is now, okay, what will make it an epic day today? Just by writing down three different things that I'm going to be doing to make it an epic day. And after I take those three things off, at the end of the day, it feels great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, that's the same as the process I recommended around have your to-do list to have your two most important things or your three most epic things locked in. By the end of the week, then you've done between 10 and 15 awesome epic uh, pieces of work or goals or whatever, which is 10 to 15 more than you're currently doing if you're just reacting to the noise. Indeed, indeed. We're both entrepreneurs and I, I'm, I'm just thinking of that person that's working full-time who has a family and that person maybe wants to pursue something that they're passionate about because the job is just a dead-end job. Maybe they want to do cooking, they want to go into fitness or whatever it is, but they just feel like, I can't do it. I, can't, I don't really have time. What is the first thing that they can do to start moving towards that direction of where they really truly want to be? Sure. So the framework I work people through is called SMART. Um, and, you know, smart time investment. And and so the the in terms of that, step one is, um, is self-aware. So that's the kind of the very first thing that those sorts of, or anyone should be doing in terms of understanding where they're at right now, you know, what's getting in the way. So, you know, why don't I love my job? Um, what's bothering me about my time in terms of, you know, what's really, you know, annoying me every single day it could be, you know, as I said, those symptoms. And but then also understanding what your values are, you know, what's most important to me? What would an ace day look like? Where do I want to be spending my time? Because that gives you kind of like the, you know, it gives you the the point A where I'm at at the moment, the point B where I want to be. And then, you know, we're going to create the roadmap. The second step, which is really critical to then finding that time, is they need to map their day in detail from the minute they get up to the minute they go to bed just for two or three days in kind of five to ten minute increments. Now, it's really tedious and it's a lot of work, but you just take a, an A4 sheet of paper with you as you go and just jot some stuff down in terms of every time you change task, every time you open an email, every time someone interrupts you or the phone goes. Sort of like a food diary, but but a day diary, just every single absolutely, thing. Absolutely, absolutely good analogy. Um, because you can't know what changes you can make to your day until you can see exactly your day on a plate. So it's exactly like a food diary. Um, that's a cool analogy. I'm going to use that from now on. Um, and then step three is A for analyze, where you um, you categorize each of your tasks or each thing you've done into either a must, a want, something that you can delegate or outsource and something that you can reject. So you must are the things you have to do that only you can do. Um, you know, I must get up, I must eat, I must, um, you know, have this particular meeting because it's with my boss. You know, your wants are the things that, people are doing the least of at the moment. You know, I want to be cooking. I want to be jogging. I want to sleep. I want to have a massage. I want to see my friends. I want to hang with my kids. Um, the delegation slash outsourcing and the reject piles are where you're going to find all your lost time. Um, and that's, you know, a process of understanding what you can outsource or delegate and what you can reject. Then 
step four reframe is where you basically make the decisions as to what you're going to be doing differently. What am I going to reject? How am I going to reject it? What am I going to delegate or outsource? And how am I going to do that? And then step five is take control. It's implementation. And, and as an athlete and a trainer, you know this, that, you know, implementation is key. Um, and that's why people, our clients turn to us as their coaches because we can help them get their results kind of faster and in a more sustained way. Um, obviously, people can do this stuff on their own. Um, they just have to have that motivation, that mindset to absolutely um, implement, to, you know, knock this stuff out of the park. For sure. In terms of must versus one, do you find that uh, must do's versus want do's, do you find that sometimes the lines are blurred for certain clients of yours? They can't really define what's a must versus what's a want. Yeah. So look, in terms of musts and wants, you know, people will often say, well, you know, I, I, I must, you know, go to work or I must be um, meeting with this client, but that's also a want because I enjoy it. And I said, well, that's really cool. I'm glad, you know, you're enjoying your job, but I want you to think about your musts as things that, um, you know, only you can do versus your wants being things that really you passionately love doing for yourself, the nice stuff. So not, you know, if it's a client meeting or if it's a work-based task, put it down as a must. If it's something outside of that where it's, you know, hanging out with my daughter or um, socialising with a client, not because I want more business, but just because they're an awesome person, we get along well. Um, going and having a massage, it's a want. In terms of where people come unstuck a little bit with the sort of the outsourcing, delegating piece is they get stuck on the how. So they think, oh, God, I'd really love to, you know, not be the person who has to um, do the books or I'd really love not to have to um, be the person that runs the training session for new staff. Um, but I just don't know who I could give it to and I don't know how I'm actually going to go about that. You don't need to worry about the how at the start. The, the better way to approach that categorising your list is identify everything that's up for grabs everything that I could possibly or would love to outsource or delegate, don't worry about how you're going to do it. Just identify in the first instance what's what are the things that someone else from a from an outsourcing delegation perspective, the definition needs to be who what are the tasks where someone else who's an expert can do this stuff faster, better, and cheaper than me. So if you're in your own business and say your time's worth, say, $200 an hour and you're an expert at, you know, vegan athleticism and diets and stuff like that, um, you know, IT might not be, you know, your passion point and it might not be your biggest skill. Um, so your computer system crashes or something goes wrong at $200 an hour where it's going to take me maybe 10 hours to fix this versus I can probably get a really good IT person in for maybe $70 an hour and they're going to do it in two hours. Faster, better and cheaper is the definition of what you're going to want to outsource or delegate. Definitely. I guess I, I'm thinking about myself now as well because I, I mean, I look at this podcast. I mean, I love having the opportunity to speak to people like you and, and uh, other people around the world. But at the same time, I do everything because I mm -hmm. edit, I do graphic design, I do the show notes. I do. I was like, oh my goodness, the interview is just, the interview is just a small 10% of the work. 
But the oh same. Oh my god! I want to reach over and just slap you. I know, I know, and that's the thing. Like, I and at the same time, I feel like I just want to let go, but I just don't know how to. Oh, I need the graphics this way. I need the the size of the font this way. You know, being a perfectionist, being an entrepreneur, it's like you want everything a certain way, and I'm finding it hard to let go because. Where I am right now, I love this opportunity to chat. But at the same time, it's, I've just got this mountain of stuff that I need to do. So maybe you imagine I'm your client. Think oh you took God. the book and slapped me in the head already. I have. I've slapped you, <laughs> you across the head. So look, the, the first thing is that you need to understand that your time is money. And so time you're spending, say, on the editing and the graphic design and stuff like that, even though you're juicing it up and it's looking great and, and you know, you can pat yourself on the back at the end, you know, count how many hours that's taking you, apply your hourly rate to that and then, you know, have a good hard look in the mirror, Luke. Um, <laughs> the next thing I'd say is that there's opportunity cost there as well, right? So if that's taking you like seven or eight hours a podcast, that's seven or eight hours you could be interviewing seven or eight new guests or it could be seven or eight hours that you're actually winning new clients or whatever. Um, then there's emotional cost. How do I feel about this time I've just blown? And then there's physical cost in terms and, and emotional cost is also, well, that's, you know, this is seven or eight hours I've taken myself away from my family and I feel shitty about that. And then there's physical cost, you know, headache and, you know, backache and sitting sitting in front of John Dyson in the logos. So look at the costs and then think to yourself, okay, I need to kind of let this stuff go. This is not the best use of my time. And as an entrepreneur, you kind of owe it to yourself and your clients to be using your time really, really well. So then we get to the how. Once you've kind of accepted that there's a better way, getting to the how is, well, look, there's a stack of awesome kind of online resources that you can tap into to get this stuff done. You know, there's amazing freelancers on, you know, um, Fiverr or um the Odesk, which has changed its name, what's it called? Upwork or something like that. There's, yeah, I think it's Upwork now. Yeah, there's heaps and heaps of different freelance sites. Or you tap into your community of entrepreneurs and other awesome people that you know and you say, who has a great graphic designer? Who can recommend someone who's awesome at editing videos? Um, who is, who? where can I tap into a source that will do end-to-end podcast, editing, graphics, um, slicing and dicing content and production for me um, and go for that sort of word of mouth referral. I'll send you an email later. I know like three organisations who do that sort of stuff. So, and, and that's, again, it's around what am I best at? What do I love doing? Where do I want to be investing my time? What's the best use of my time? And then all the other stuff, you got to kind of let it go. Unless you want to be a podcast editor and a graphic designer and stuff, in which case, if they're wants, awesome, do it. But, you know, I kind of suspect they're not. And it's probably just the perfectionism that's getting in your way. And so it's really around then testing the waters with some of these people that you freelance to, to you find the person that you trust, who understands your brand, who understands what you're doing. And then you kind of get into that really awesome rhythm. Um, it's going to save you a fortune. It's also going to actually buy you back a heap of time.
I agree, you know, as being an entrepreneur, you want to be a perfectionist with everything. The color needs to be hex H A five, you know, like, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, definitely taken inspiration in that after that big slap in the head, because I do feel that, <laughs> that, that tied on my head. I've got a little, little swollen um, head now. Moving from that, I'm guilty of this. Like, and I know a lot of people that, where did I put my keys? Where did I put my wallet? Is there any tips that you can share where, where people are maybe like me who are, you know, have a poor memory, are always misplacing things around? How can we create an environment where things are just where they are meant to be? <laughs> Look, you know, again, it's, it's a point, a question of discipline, but it's more so let's just step back a sec. It comes down to this bit that we're just, you know, in inverted commas, so busy right? Um, busy has sort of acquired a bit of a sort of a social standing or a bit of a, you know, a badge of honour. You know, oh, how are you? I'm busy. Oh my God, I'm busy too. And oh, let's talk about how busy everyone is. And and it's, you know, that's not cool. You know, busy is not cool. You know, let me put it back to you this way. It's like you saying, well, hey, how are you, Kate? Oh, you know, I'm so unproductive. Oh, I'm so unproductive too. And, you know, because that's what you're saying. When you tell people how busy you are, you're basically saying I'm not able to manage my time. I'm unproductive. Um, so the other thing I'd say is that because we're so bombarded by information, you know, we have, I think the average human has like 1,500 thoughts go through their head a minute or something just crazy like that. Um, so you've got to free up brain space, right? So one of the things I'd say around that getting clarity over the simple things, there's two good strategies. Firstly is make decisions once. So there will be decisions that you can make every day, make them once and then move on. So I'm always going to put, you know, here is the, the tray next to the door where I'm always going to leave my keys and my wallet and my mobile phone or, you know, I'm going to put them in this drawer or whatever. You make that decision once and then you have to follow it every single day. Other, you know, And the other thing, you know, the simple decisions, make them once. So what am I going to wear? You know, have a bit of a uniform. You know, I sort of I, I've got a, a about four or five different outfits that I will wear to meetings or on speaking engagements and I'll just, you know, change it up with a scarf or a pair of shoes. That's kind of my uniform. And it means that I'm not wasting 10, 15 minutes in front of the wardrobe every day thinking, what am I going to wear? You know, so make the simple decisions once. You know, um, Mark Zuckerberg does this. You know, you, 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 he always wears the same clothes. And it's because he's got like 20 of that same T-shirt because it's just his uniform. It's a decision point that he's removed from his day. You know, if you decide that you're going to jog every morning, then when the alarm goes off at 6 a.m., you get up and you go jogging. You've made that decision once. Don't lie there remaking that decision thinking, am I going to get up? No, I'm going to stay in bed. Oh, I must get up. Oh, I said I'd get up. Oh, no, I'll just snooze. You know, come on, Jesus, you know, make the decision once. So I, 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 the other thing I'd say is um, make simple decisions fast, okay? So this will sort of, um, you know, cause a tremor with your sort of perfectionist sort of um, uh, attributes. But, you know, you don't have to always toss up every different variance. Um, if there's two or three decisions in front of you and one's going to return a 90% result, one's going to turn a 92% result, they're both good results. Just make a decision, make it once, make it fast. 
So make the simple decisions really fast and then move on. And if you have to kind of change them, change them on the run. It sounds like a coaching session right now, funnily enough, because I, I'm obviously, <laughs> you're obviously the expert and obviously the client over the, across the world right now. So the next thing is... This is why you got me on. Exactly. It? No, it's not about the you're listeners. It's about my issues. <laughs> but I'm sure they'll learn from my issues as well. Because... <laughs> For, for me, I think my, my little goals are being productive and ticking off those two or three things that I, I've set out in the morning. But it's always to learn something new because I always believe that, you know, every day if I could learn one thing new, I know I've moved forward in, in, in some way or form. And for me, it's the big one is reading. Let's sit by a couch, put some nice jazz music in the background and read. It's such a simple pleasure, but it's impossible to find time to read. So what can you share where that's concerned? Yeah, so... You know, that's, again, that's about identifying and understanding what your wants are um, and and then making time for them. And you you must, you know, it's me time. You've got to lock time into your calendar for yourself. So in the same way as you would have your calendar and you will lock your clients in, you know, well, I'm seeing Kate at 10 and I'm seeing John at 11 and I'm seeing so-and-so at 2, you lock Luke into the calendar for, you know, seven o'clock at night or, you know, whenever it is that you love reading and relaxing, you lock yourself into the calendar. And just in the same way as you turn up for your clients, you have to turn up for yourself. So it's got to go into the calendar. And if it's in the calendar, it's kind of sacred. We don't mess with the calendar, guys. Um, so you've got to lock yourself in and you've got to turn up. With me time, you know, what will you define as me time? Me time is is anything that the person wants to do for themselves that it could involve other people so it could be well I, I want to catch up with friends or I want to go on date night or I want to go and do some new learning and be involved with this awesome group of 200 entrepreneurs or whatever you know that's all me time because it's fulfilling a, a self need and something that you want to do um, mine personally my me time is going off and I, I walk every day or run um, depending on you know how my legs are feeling <laughs> um, so that's I, I do that every single morning so I walk the dogs for an hour and that's that's absolute 100% me time and it's also sort of really good strategic thinking time where you know thoughts will pop into my head or I can just work through issues or ideas or gaps or opportunities um, so um you know, that's for me and sleep. I love sleep. <laughs> so where I can, you know, I'll get an extra hour of sleep, um, massage for me as well. So, you know, the me time, uh, you really need to be your non-negotiables. What are the stuff I, what's the stuff I love doing that I love doing for me? Definitely, I'm going to start scheduling a me time and the listeners should as well schedule in one hour, two hours of me time, do something that you love. For me as well, I think it's about increasing output, doing as much as I can. As I mentioned earlier, having those two or three tasks that I accomplish throughout the day. And the two things that I do is swallowing the frog. Uh, that's one, meaning that doing stuff that I hate first thing in the morning when I'm most productive. 
and fasting. Um, I practice time-restricted eating. So those are two aspects that I find actually helps increase my output. So beyond that, you know, working with all the clients that you have, what other hacks in that sense can you actually share to help, help people feel like, wow, I've really conquered this day? There's hundreds, Luke. There's, um, there's so, so many. It's about managing and controlling interruptions. It's about batching your time into chunks of time to deal with similar or like issues. It's around, you know, things like identifying the people who are the saboteurs of your time and, and you know, having a polite discussion with them around, you know, this is how you're impacting my time. It's about working and getting your kids to do stuff, you know, insourcing tasks, you know, family's a team sport, you know, so it's about identifying what you're going to do, what the kids are going to do and working as a team around the house, um, strategies around how to say no, um, understanding the costs on your time, understanding the impacts of multitasking, you know, there's, there's, there's just so many different time hacks. And what I would say to your listeners is, is identify, you know, one or two things that kind of really resonate with them and implement those first. So, you know, if they think, oh, well, I want to map my time and understand that, you know, do that for a couple of days and get it right. And then, you know, move on to the next thing. Don't sit there. It's interesting. I've, I, my, my latest book, um, is called Smart Time Investment for Business. And um, the tagline is um, 128 ways the best in business use their time. So there's 128 strategies in there, like little bits and bobs. And the thing is, you know, don't go and write those 128 strategies down and because that's just going to join the list of 800 things that you're never, ever going to do, right? So you know, with that sort of stuff, just pick one or two things that really, really resonate and get them right first and then move on to the next strategy. And you'd be the same with your clients and your business in terms of, um, you know, well, let's get this part of your, your diet right first or let's get this part of your training program right first. Once you've really nailed that, you feel that sense of momentum and uplift and enthusiasm. It's like, oh, God, this sort of this shit works, you know, and it keeps you motivated. So it's one step at a time, guys. Yeah, I love it. One step at a time. I mean, that's the thing. It applies to your work and time management, but also with fitness, nutrition. So I guess this person is listening right now and feeling extremely overwhelmed where you were before in the dark days. What would you say to them? Yeah, look, I guess what I would do is I would reassure you that there is a better way and that there is an outcome and that there is a process that you can follow to actually regain control of your time. Um, but you need to invest some of your time to find your lost time. So, you know, just like you can't, you know, bench press, you know, 200 kilograms, you know, without having worked through a process. So, you have to invest some time to find your lost time, but you will, okay? There there are lots of different strategies. You know, start with the five steps that I talked about earlier. You know, take yourself through that or have a look at my website um, or give me a call or whatever. But there there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's about understanding and perhaps, you know, moving away from a mindset of I need to manage my time to Embrace a mindset of well, I want to invest my time. So time's not there to be managed, guys. Um, your time is 
a precious limited resource that nobody, regardless of how savvy or wealthy they are, can buy more of. And so you need to start thinking about and treating your time the way you treat your money as a precious resource that needs to be invested for the greatest possible return. So I'm not going to manage my time anymore. I'm going to invest my time. How can I get the most out of it? Um, and, and, you know, you, you will then start actually finding time because once you change that mindset, you start being less tolerant of all the crap that steals your time. Let's say if someone that's listening, for example, a mom or dad, we talked about me time, about doing what's important and what you love doing, but they feel guilty. What would you say to them? Yeah, yeah. And look, I that was kind of my lived experience. You know, I, I gave up my awesome co- previous career through that sort of level of guilt. So what I would say is that um, you will only ever be the best version of you. You will only ever be the best mum or best dad if you are also happy and have a sense, a sense of fulfilment. And if you feel that you're setting the right example for your kids and I in my view you can only have and be all those things if you are carving out time for yourself to do the stuff that actually makes you feel happy and fulfilled and the best version of you I love it Kate well thank you very much I'm inspired after this I'm actually going to start looking at who I can reach out to to do all the the four hours of work that might follow this. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to seeing more of your success in this space because it all comes back down to where time is concerned. It comes back down to the simple things, spending time with your family, with your loved ones, reading a book, meditating and just breathing. Just being in the moment and enjoying it and, you know, living your absolute acest life. Indeed, indeed. So how can people get in contact with you, Kate? Uh, so my website is called Time Stylers, um, T-I-M-E, timestylers.com, uh, or they can, and all the information about me is on there, including my books and my programs, my speaking, and um, or they can email me at kate at timestylers.com. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Luke. That was truly an inspiring episode. And I know personally, I'm going to make many changes to how I run my life and value my time. Hopefully, you'll found that just as important as I did and make changes to your life to make things easier and less cluttered. Thank you so much, Kate. If you think anyone can benefit from this information or the work that Kate does, share this episode with them. For more information, any links or resources mentioned in this episode or to find out how to connect with Kate, visit awakemethod.com podcast. Until the next one, live once, eat plants. <laughs>